You're listening to Grace and Fire, brought to you by Emerging Women. Today, my guest is Shasta Nelson. Shasta is a life coach and CEO of GirlfriendCircles.com, the only online community that matches new friends offline by connecting women to other local women seeking friendship in 35 cities across the U.S. Shasta is the author of the book, Friendships Don't Just Happen, the guide to creating a meaningful circle of girlfriends. As a former preacher, she still brings her spirited and soulful voice to every presentation and any place else where people are seeking healthier and more meaningful relationships. In today's episode, Shasta and I spoke about how friendship can change the world, friendships as another outlet for intimacy, the indicators of a strong friendship, the advantages and challenges with distance friendships, and finally, friendships in business. Here is my conversation, The Power of Friendship, Cultivating a Healthy, Happy, and Meaningful Life with the soul sister and friend, Shasta Nelson. Hello and welcome, Shasta. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. I, I'm just remembering the last time we were on, on a call, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I felt like within five minutes that I was talking to somebody who was very soon going to become my best friend. I don't know how you do Aww. it, but I mean, <laughs> we just kept going. And just now before the podcast with our few minutes, I felt like I wanted to continue that conversation. So, um, Oh, I would love it. Yeah, you just have a natural knack for friendship that I appreciate. Well, thank you. And it speaks highly of you, too, because it takes two to connect and be present and show up. Right. Well, this is a, a subject matter that's like so important to me and near and dear to my heart. And when I was preparing for this, one of the things on your website that really struck me was your tagline. And it says, I have a theory that friendship can save the world. Mm. So can mm, you, maybe you could start and just tell us what you mean by that. Yeah, I look around at, well, I come from a very religious background. I used to be a pastor. And in that world, we speak a lot of spiritual practices and going to church and reading the Bible. And then, of course, being here in San Francisco, it's a lot more of ashrams and yoga and um so many different spiritual traditions that are just so rich and beautiful. And one of the things I think about when I am ever guiding anyone through anything or watching them do that is to what purpose are we doing that for? And I, you know, in the, in a Christian tradition, we always say that it is because we want to become more loving or more like God in other traditions. We might use different words, but it's really to become more enlightened and to become more at peace and to be more love and recognize our connection to each other. And so when you are doing all these practices, it's really for the purpose of engaging with each other and seeing each other and the value of each other and recognizing like the, the spark of God or the image of God in each other. So in my opinion, the friendships are where the, it's like the, that's the gymnasium. That's where we actually practice. That's where we actually get to practice doing what we say we're trying to become. And so for me, I challenge people. I don't care if you're praying all day, if it's not making you a more loving person, I question, I question what the point of that prayer is. 
and I question whether it's working in your life. It's really our friendships that we actually are, um, yeah, I would call it the gymnasium. It's the gymnasium for our soul. It's the place where we get to practice forgiveness. It's one thing to talk about. That's where we get to practice doing it is with people that we're in relationship with. Um, that's where I get to practice cheering for women when even if I'm jealous of them and they have things I want. It's where I get to practice compassion for people who, who might make choices different than what I think is the right choice for them. And so it's really in our friendships that we have the opportunity to practice being the people that this world needs. And when I look at like politics and when I look at the wars that we're fighting around this world, we're all very judgmental and we're all very quick to say that we think, you know, someone's was doing it wrong and this politics politician, blah, blah, blah. And I think, you know, this is why we have to practice it with the people in our circles so that if I can't practice doing it with my friend down the street who parents differently than I do or, you know, where where we can get triggered, if I can't do it with these women, then how in the world can I do it for people who live on the other side of the world, who think differently, who believe differently, who act differently, and how do I expect other people to be doing that if I can't show up and be practicing that? So to me, to me, this is what it all comes down to, is how we're treating each other and who we're becoming in the process. So, yeah, I think friendships are the training ground for becoming the people that we claim we want to be. Right. <laughs> well, here's a question for you. Don't you think, like, we choose our friends, and maybe this is what you're trying to get out of, but I'm thinking, like, well, I don't want to be friends with someone if they're not, like, on the same page. Or I don't want to be friends with someone if they don't see things the way I see it or if they don't live their life in the way that I'm living my life. Is that a pattern that you're trying to break through these circles and connecting people? Or do you advise against that in a way? It's a great question. And actually, I, I teach that there's five different levels of friendship and five different circles of friendship. And so for me, it's recognizing that each of those levels requires a different level of vulnerability and showing up and being present. In my opinion, we can be friendly to everybody. And the more casual the relationship, the more, the more friendly. And that's where we get to practice loving people who are very different from us, who are at a very different place than we are. And as we start building a mutual relationship, Certainly, the people that you're revealing your heart to and what I would call far right um, on the continuum from far left to far right, far right is the most intimate and consistent relationships. And certainly, on the far right, we need people that we have proven uh, mutual love and, and maturity with. But even there, I would say we, I'm finding a pattern of a lot of women walking away from relationships when annoyed or when somebody just does things differently or when, um, when, we are, when are we just get our feelings hurt. And it's actually, we know, we know from relationship patterns and behaviors and growth stages of relationships that it's actually going through uh, some conflict is actually really more intimate and more bonding for our relationships. And we know that with our marriages. I mean, if we walk away from our marriages as quickly or in, in dating relationships, we won't even say marriage. But um, we are much more willing to kind of fight it out. We're much more willing to be show up and be honest there. We're much more willing to say, hey, you know, this is not working for me. In our relationships when we're dating, we're, we will put up with quite a bit. But then almost I've never heard of really a situation where they just kind of drift apart or break up and neither person really heard from the other person or anything like that. But we do that with our girlfriends all the time. We just will get awkward and we just start pulling away. And I think there's a missed moment there for some growth and for an opportunity to ask for what we need and to speak more clearly our power and our, our offering and our contribution. So I, it's a mix. I don't, I don't, I'm not advocating that people should have unhealthy people around them at all, but I mm-hmm. am advocating that I think part of mature relationships and most women are, are not building the level of deep relationships they say they want. 
And one of the reasons that's happening is because we are, we're not staying with people long enough and being intimate and honest enough with them to actually get to that place that we crave, we crave having. We want those close, meaningful relationships, but we, we don't want them to be awkward at all at any time. And they will be. So No, I mean, I just think of, you know, what's happened, this whole like nuclear family concept, which has always been a myth. I mean, outside Mm -hmm. of our culture, but what that's done to isolate us. And I know this is happening with men too, but, you know, especially with women, you're in your marriage and you feel like, okay, that's where I'm putting all my work. And, Mm -hmm. and yet there's so much juice to be had through friendships, but there's this sort of rewiring we have to do. Because the friendships are the ones that are, oh, well, no, I'm not going to take anything. I'm walking away. I think you're right in that there's a trend of just really giving up so easily because we don't give it the same credence as we do like the marriage. Where are you going to go in the marriage? I mean, the only place is divorce. So that's a much higher hurdle than just, you know, simply not returning a phone call with a friend. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think what you're introducing is a shift around looking at friendships as another outlet for intimacy and not just keeping intimacy just in the marriage. And I'm wondering, I know you have a term for this. You call it, well, I'm going to let you introduce it. Frint, I can't pronounce it. Frintimacy. So yeah, tell, me, tell me about that. Yeah, frintimacy is a combination of friendship and intimacy. And I, I use that word because every time I talk about intimacy, uh, people's brains immediately went to sexual intimacy, and we right. really don't use the word very often. And so I, I, I was like, okay, we've got to find a new way of saying this because intimacy is not just physical intimacy. There is a a showing up, and I describe intimacy as like a vulnerability or a revealing or a willingness to show up with less and less of a filter with somebody. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a level of trust that we're building. And really, as humans, I believe that's what we're craving. I believe that's what we ultimately want. And we want to we want to feel like somebody's looking at us, knows us, and says you're enough. You mm-hmm. know, and that's what all of us are. If you go back to like almost all of our core fundamental fears, it's the feeling of we're not being enough, and we do various things to try to prove that we are. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, that level of intimacy takes a lot of time. And mm-hmm. a statistic that's of interest is that half of our close friends are being are we're losing half of our close friends every seven years. And when I say that up front when I'm speaking, at first you can see the look of dubious in everyone's eyes, like, I don't think that's true. And then I say, think about if you were getting married today, because that's one of the one of the events where we pull a close group of friends around us, and we mm-hmm. call them bridesmaids. And you think about who you would pick if you were picking five or six women to be your bridesmaids today, who would be those women? Mm-hmm. And if you were to, would they be different than if you had done that seven years ago? And when I say that, you suddenly see this look in everyone's eyes like, oh my goodness, I didn't even know two or three of the people that I would invite right now in my life. I didn't even know them seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And chances are just as high that seven years from now, if you were to invite five or six women to stand up with you, you may not yet know one or two of them even now, or you might they may not be your close friends. Mm-hmm. So we have a shifting going on. And I think that's normal. And I think that's healthy. And I'm not, I'm a big fan of recognizing that not every friendship needs to last forever. And in fact, only one in 12 of our friends really do kind of go through the life with us. So I'm a big fan of walking, of not feeling guilty for friendships not lasting forever. And with that said, being intentional about hanging on to the friends that we want to hang on to and going through some of that conflict to make sure we build that intimacy because that just takes time. And if we're walking, you know, if we're moving every couple of years, if we're changing jobs every couple of years, if our 
relationships revolve around our kids' lives and they're switching schools and switching activities every couple of years, you can start seeing where you could have a big network and know a lot of people but still feel incredibly like lonely and not have the intimacy and the support system in place that you kind of crave. So it's a big it's a big issue to really look at and say I need I need to know that I have some friends who get me where I'm at right now, but I also need to have some friends who they don't their lives don't have to near mine, but we're gonna just keep journeying through life and be close and vulnerable and show up with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I love that concept because there's um, the owner and the founder of, no longer the owner of Zappos is this mm-hmm. guy, Tony Shea, right? And um, mm-hmm. in his book, he talks about really for your business, you want to go, you know, for advice on your business or you want to, you know, learn more about your business. It's really smart to go outside your industry because mm-hmm. the diversity and the creativity that you can apply from a different industry into your own often yields better results. And, you know, it's just a way of thinking outside the box. And so having friends that are not exactly a mirror image of who we are, I can see how that could be, one, put us out of our comfort zone, but two, be beneficial in that it would challenge us in different ways. I mean, I have so many friends that that are so loyal to me that would never call me on anything because they just love me so much. And I don't know if that's, you know, always such a good thing. Of course it's great. (laughs) (laughs) It's always that tricky line. No, I, I love what you're saying because research actually shows that we are not very good predictors of who we're going to bond with. And I think this is fascinating. There's so many studies of us thinking that, okay, so if I'm a Republican or I'm Democrat, I probably need somebody who's got the same world of view. We'll say, that is so important. We have to have similar values. And if, I have the, if I'm a mom, then I, you know, just convenience slides and I need someone else to get that. And we kind of think we know who we will bond with. And the research shows that we actually really don't have, um, that we don't bond anymore with somebody who has the same religious or political background as we do. It is no more of a predictor of whether we will bond than if we both uh, found out we grew up in Illinois or um, we both found out we look like, like Madonna or the research actually says if we just both find out we just like broccoli, that is, that is as powerful a predictor of our bond as both of us being moms or both of us being single or both of us being moms of special needs kids. And so when you think about what we walk around thinking we need, we are pretty quick to dismiss other women because we all sit there and be like, oh, she's dressed like that. She's probably, you know, that income bracket or that cares about fashion in a different way than I do. Oh, she's a mom. And we quickly are like, okay, we have nothing in common. And the truth of the matter is those are three or four very superficial things that we're looking at. Hmm. And those are no more of a predictor. They say that actually, and this is funny for you and I with more unusual names, they say it, it would be the same if you're walking around saying, I, I really only can be friends with other moms or other single girls or whatever the, whatever you feel like you are. They say that would be the same as walking around saying, I really can only be friends with people who have my name. <laughs> and right. I think about that and think some of us would be some very lonely people in the right. world. And that was like one of our beliefs. <laughs> right. Right. It'd be like me with a thousand dogs. <laughs> right. But yes, I mean, we, we really think we create the story of who we think we need to bond with. But every single one of us has, a, has evidence in our brain. And this is one of the exercises I have women do in workshops is name somebody in your life that you've actually bonded with that's actually very different from you. And it's usually usually somebody that you worked with, because if you just met them, you probably would have not given them the chance to get to know them, but you worked with them. So you saw them every day and you became really close friends and she could be 20 years older than you. She could have five more kids than you. She could be, you know, completely different from you. And yet you became good friends or it's somebody who you're related to, or it's somebody, it's usually somebody that you were forced to have enough time with that you came to love each other, 
but it wouldn't have been at your own choosing or your own guess that that would have happened. And we all have the evidence of that, that with time and proximity, we bond with far more people than we sometimes walk around thinking we do. Mm-hmm. Are there any indicators of like a good match? And we're going to get into like your website and the, and all of that, but I'm just curious to see if it's not interests yes. or things like what, is there chemistry or... It is, and it, what we do need to find is, and thanks for clarifying that, because what we do want is we do want to have things in common with each other, but they're finding that it's the quantity of things, not the quality of those things. So three small things, um, us both being, both, us both having unusual names, us both being interested in women's organizations, and um, you live in Colorado and I used to live in Colorado. Those three, those three things will be as powerful as the bonding as if we had one big thing in common that we both would have the same political or religious background or something. Got so it. it's okay. not to say those other things aren't important, but they, they just need to be part of the part of, you know, it's, it's adding up. And that takes a little bit more time to find out those things than simply walking up and asking the typical questions of how many kids you have, where do you, you know, what, you, what job do you have? And kind of the, the same three or four questions we typically ask. So giving, giving ourselves a little more time to build those relationships and then, having them progress through those five stages is what we're hoping to do. Allowing more people in the funnel initially and trusting that a few of them will develop into and create those intimate, friendtimate relationships that we want. Mm-hmm. Friendtimate. Okay. Now I got you. Now what you talk a little bit about, like, you know, there is a culture of loneliness and especially mm-hmm. amongst women. Can you say more about that, what you've seen and what has given rise to your friendship circles and the book Friendships Don't Just Happen? Yes, I I do. And I I have a a keynote that I actually talk about where I call it a surprising epidemic among today's social, busy, popular women. And it it is, there's a loneliness that I feel like is permeating our culture. I have yet to stand in front of an audience. Um, where I, you know, if I talk about loneliness, most women will sit there and be like, no, no, and we don't use the word ourselves. But as soon as I define it, I can look out and I just see hundreds of eyes. Mm. Just suddenly it just hits their heart when it, once we define it and recognize we are in fact a very lonely, we want more relationships. We want more connection. We want, we want the deep, easy, meaningful stuff. We don't want just more coffee dates. We don't want to just know more people, but we actually really want those um, close, easy, be with me, let's journey life together friendships. And there's a lot of loneliness. And so I think one of the, one of the um, damaging things is that there's so much stigma around, around loneliness. We have a shame almost that to admit it might be somehow misunderstood as saying nobody likes me or I have no friends or I'm a complete loser. You know, we have like, we don't, well, we don't admit we're lonely very often. We'll admit we need to lose weight. We'll admit we are looking, you know, we want to date somebody and get married. We want to, we'll admit all, we admit we want more money. I mean, we'll admit a lot of wants in a lot of areas of life, but we really don't post on Facebook or admit we're lonely and looking for friends. There's a huge shame around it. And so one of my callings is to help help us not have a shame around it. And, and in fact, the opposite. I treat that as information in our body that when we feel that little, uh, that, that little trigger in our bodies that just kind of feels like that loneliness and helps kind of women identify what that feeling is, and it's actually really valuable information for us. It's, it's, it's the same as when my body tells me like I'm, I'm tired when I yawn or that I'm thirsty, or that I'm hungry. Like, we don't want to ignore that. We don't want to feel shame over that. We don't want to be mad at our bodies for like, how dare you be tired again? I just slept you yesterday. I mean, that's, 
the point of our bodies is they need sleep, they need food, they need water, and they need connection. And when we have that information come up, we don't want to deny it or push it down or anything. We actually want to like go, oh, interesting. I'm craving more connection. My heart, my heart wants to be more connected to people. Like, wow, let me look at my life. That's crazy because I have so many people I know we would say or, and we would, we want to look and say, that's interesting. What kind of connection am am I craving? Because something in me wants more relating with somebody. So I think it's a really powerful thing because we live in a world where it's getting harder to diagnose because we we're so connected and we're so busy and we're so exhausted that when we think about how scheduling one more date with a friend, we get like, oh, just, you know, we get kind of like stressed out over it. So we actually feel like we don't want more of that, but we actually really do want more relating and more sharing. So Mm -hmm. it's really important to recognize the difference between those two and respond to that information. And what is, um, so let's, let's switch over to your girlfriend's circles it's it's like a match.com. When I was on it, I was just astonished that you're actually <laughs> matchmaking girlfriends. Yes, yes. I came up with that a couple of years ago when I just realized it's actually easier, ironically, to date than it is to make friends sometimes because with yeah. dating, we have a lot of protocol around it and we, you know, mm-hmm. we kind of have an acceptance around getting asked out and giving phone numbers and like that, but process. But when it comes to making friends, it's actually very challenging. You can't just walk up to a girl in a grocery store and be like, you look fabulous. You look like fun. Let's go have coffee. (laughs) But we can't really hit on each other appropriately. So yeah, it was a (laughs) website to help, to help us like, like everyone in the city who's open and friends, raise your hand, let's get together, let's connect, let's find each other. So it's an attempt at helping match women in small groups for sharing and getting to know each other. And how many people do you have plugged into the system and what is like the typical profile? Great question. We have, uh, we, I think we're at 32,000 members right now and across the country and into some of the cities in Canada. And the typical profile is it's our most common user is women in their thirties and forties who value friends and have kind of moved away from that. Um, their college friends, you know, the twenties, we still have a little bit more of that in our lives. But we have women you can join if you're over the age of 21, and our, and our fastest growing population right now is over the age of 55 and 60. So wow. I think we're seeing a huge, um, yeah, a really huge hunger for women who, whose kids are moved out of the house and they're ready mm-hmm. for, like, wow, my whole social circle doesn't have to revolve around the kids and who, they, and who their friends are. And going through late divorce, a lot of women when they're retiring and they're moving to be closer to their children and their grandchildren, and yet they don't have any friends there. So we have a really, it just goes to show the uh, replacing half your friends every seven years happens all through life. (laughs) Even when you're in your 60s and 70s, we have so many women who are still 70s and 80s dealing with that same hunger and wanting to build more friendships. So yeah, profile-wise, it's women who are who are internet savvy. Um, they obviously have enough courage to say, I'm going to try something new. So they're actually, every woman I've met at all my events, I'm just kind of awed at how amazing and beautiful and, and confident um, and just really fabulous women join. I think it takes a little bit of gutsy <laughs> to do something like that. And it shows in the, in the, and the women who are willing to show up and value, they all have had good friends before, so they value it. They know it. They're willing to do something about it. Okay, and then you have, you know, circles. So here's my question. What's the difference and the advantages of both between, you know, finding a match on an individual basis and actually meeting in a circle of women? 
what's the difference between... Well, as far as like the intimacy, the friendship, there's, you know, there's sort of one-on-one, right? If I go on, I can get one person that I'm in contact with, but then there's also the opportunity for the circles where there's multiple women. Yes. So I think anytime you can meet in a small group of women, I think that's usually um, a great way to go because then there's no pressure on anybody for holding up the conversation or if there's not a, if it's not an instant chemistry, it kind of allows for different personalities. I think, you know, I look back on the sex in the city uh, foursome and I think if any two of them had gone out on a date to meet each other, the chances of like the sex starved, what was her name, uh, Samantha, and yeah. like little preppy Charlotte, the chance of those two like sitting down for coffee being like, we are going to be best friends, probably would have never happened. There's something so beautiful in a group dynamic that allows us to kind of take a breath a little bit and be like, okay, I don't need every single person around this circle to be like my twin or my best friend to still get value of being part of a community and in a group. So I'm a big fan of circles of women. I'm a big fan of groups. And I'm a huge fan of the one-on-one. I think they both just offer such different experiences. I tend in this day and age with, if I believe that I need to be close to a handful of women, um, I don't have time to to do one on one on Monday night, one on Tuesday night, one on Wednesday night, one on Thursday night. And I don't have, and I don't want to just spread them out to only seeing them once a month because I want the intimacy. I don't want to just be updating on how the last month went. Right. But for me, one of my high values is meeting in small groups. I have like three or four of my closest friends come over every Tuesday night and we have girls night. And so for me, and that's not to say I don't get together one-on-one with them and I don't have a, a bunch of other friends that I do one-on-one stuff with. But to me, to be able to connect and to share and to be intimate and to get the value of several different people's input all at one time, I think I'm a big fan of circles of women. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know we talked about this, right? Our husbands are going to kill us if we join one more women's circle, right? <laughs> Exactly. Like, how many do you need? Well, do you really want me to answer that question? <laughs> I know. He's like, babe, I thought this was just once every two weeks. It seems to be more than that. I'm like, that's a different group. No. <laughs> and then okay, if research bears out for us good things, because, you know, you're talking earlier about the really, the difference between friends and husbands and children. I would say all healthy relationships serve us and will give us the benefits of, of relationships. And there are, I could just go on and on about the health benefits of relationships. But the interesting thing about friendship over husbands and spouses and mm. children is that those relationships actually have higher highs, but they also have lower lows. Those are the people we fight with. Those are the people we're scheduling doctor's appointments with. We're stressed. We are worrying about them. We lay awake wondering if they're doing okay at school. So mm. those are relationships that actually have a lot of uh, stress that comes with the benefits. Our mm-hmm. friendships will certainly have some moments of stress and awkwardness. But we are not scheduling their appointments. We're not worried about their day at work tomorrow. So we are getting the benefit of the relationship, of feeling supported, of the oxytocin, of the sharing, of the being seen, of having our lives witnessed. We're getting the benefits without as much stress. So those friendships serve a, a relationship gap, and they give to us in ways that um, our family relationships often can't do and kind of help be a buffer for that stress. So, yeah, it's like... The good things for those of us who are trying to be out there with those female relationships, they actually really help our marriages and our ability to show up as moms. So. 
Hmm. I say do another circle, Chantal. <laughs> you know, right? Slip one more in, you know. <laughs> I tell my kids I have one circle and it's it's actually this is not the focus, but I'm like, it helps me be a better mommy. And so now they call it the be a better mommy circle. <laughs> and like Love only it. like two people are moms, the rest are, you know, but in this particular circle, but it's funny, but I, you know, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I, I used to do this workshop where I used to uh, interview or ask women to do a journal assignment of writing down the memories of their moms with female friends. What memories do you have of your mom and her friendship? Did she go away for weekends? Did she go out for girls' night? What, you know, did she talk on the phone in the evenings? And I would guess about 70, 75% of all those workshops I taught, 75% of the women raised their hand and had a really hard time coming up with memories of their moms having friends. And I just thought at first, I was like, that's crazy. Surely 70% of your moms had friends. I can't believe they just all didn't have friends. And my guess is that most of them tried to do their friendship while their kids were at school or something. And so the kids just didn't see it. And I think that's like a good intention. But isn't it ironic that on the back end of it, their kids never saw them modeling friendship. They don't have memories of it. So now they, I'm working with the adult women now who feel kind of guilty going on a girls weekend, taking the yeah. time out and not, you know. And I think to myself, Wow. I mean, I wish more moms had, could say what you're saying. Like you played with your friends at school today. Now mommy has to go out and play with her friends. Like it's important to play with friends, you know, and, and where it, we're allowing one night of not doing homework and bedtime each week actually could help be modeling something else really valuable to your kids. So I'm a big fan of what you're doing. I know it's hard to do and hard to walk away from kids that want you and where you know what needs to be done, but I think it's I think it's powerful modeling, and there are more kids, more women that will be in this world, and men who will be in this world, not feeling awkward or uncomfortable or guilty about having friends in their lives. So super important. Good, super good point. Love that. When you're in circles of women, it's so easy to just kind of get down to the fashion and the lipstick, and all these are very important, by the way. I'm not making <laughs> very important you got to cover it all right it's from lipstick to god but what <laughs> how do you control that so that there's a little bit more intention in the gathering mm, i love that my yeah because to me i'm somebody who just if, it's, if the conversation doesn't go meaningful it's um it's not it's not fulfilling to me so that's a really high value to me one of my favorite things is to do is if i'm in any if i'm in a small group of at least three people I will always say, hey, let's just go around the circle and each share something that's going on in our lives right now that matters or, um, or something that's coming up that we're excited about. And so if it's easy to just kind of do something like that, I have found that by giving each person allotted time, and I, that's not even like a timer or anything like that, but just simply it's amazing how we can all sit there and talk and we will, you're, you'll trigger something I'm going to say, and I'll trigger something, and we'll say, keep, we could keep talking for hours without ever actually stopping and say, what is it I actually want to share? Mm -hmm. And so anytime you can do anything. And so even when I'm one-on-one -on -one with my friends, and it's actually super easy for me now because all, everyone's trained in my life, but I always ask, hey, I want to hear one of the highlights in your life and one of the lowlights in your life right now. Mm -hmm. What's one thing you're proud of, one thing you're celebrating, one thing that's stressing you out, one thing that's causing you worry or angst. And so everyone in my life, like I hardly go out with anybody or have people over without somebody at some point being like, all right, well, let's do our high-low. And so for me, that's, um, I just, I want, if I we're going to connect and relate, I want to hear about something that's mattering in your life right mm -hmm. now. And I want to hear the things that I can celebrate with you. And I want to hear the things I can support you around. And I think both are important. And I don't want to be a part of a conversation where it's all one without the other. So 
to me, that's important. But if it's if that's too structured, it feels too weird for people. I'm always just saying, hey, it's super easy to say, hey, before we go, let's just each go around and share one thing that one thing that matters to us right now, or one thing that we have coming up that we can think of each other when they're doing it or something. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the easiest, most important things we can do to start taking relationships a little bit deeper is help invite that space for each of us to go around the circle and share. I feel like the introverts have to, you know, it's hard for them to interrupt conversation. The extroverts, we are just so entertaining. We can talk the whole time. I mean, I think it's really important to give each person space where we kind of are saying, you share with us what you think is important in your life right now, what you want us to know about you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got, I have so many questions around here, but I know we're getting close on time, but I, I want to ask this one thing because I think in our, you know, kind of more fragmented, traveling-oriented society, which, we, you know, a lot, especially with women, there's a lot more traveling for business that's happening and people moving away from original friends, kind of like that seven-year cycle, starting new lives. And I'm curious, what do you do with when you have a really, really, really good friend and yet distance, you just don't have the time together? And, you know, when you're doing on the phone, one may be more comfortable with that than another. And, you know, how do you handle that? Do you just let it slip away? Or do you, sometimes when you're such good friends with somebody, it's actually awkward to Mm -hmm. be open and talk about the relationship. And I don't know if that's required or you just, is it just a normal cycling or you just kind of let it go or do you fight for it or what do you do? It's great and great attention that you even are seeing this and observing this. So I have five circles of friends. On the left is the most casual, and those are the relationships that have um, that we might see regularly, but there's not as much intimacy there. And on the far right are the people who are most intimate and most consistent with. In the middle circle are the friends that I call the confirmed circle. They used to be the people who are on the far right side. They used to be our best friends, our committed friends. But because of a move, most most often that's the reason, because of a move, we no longer have the consistency with them to warrant them being on the far right side anymore, but we're too intimate with them to have them be on the left side. So they're in the middle holding our heart. They're the people we can pick up with wherever we left off and the people we, that we are not talking to very often. And you have a very conscious choice in that moment. For most, for most of the women who will be in that circle, it will be, um, we will have to cut back our consistency with them because you need close, local, intimate relationships that are present and near you. You do mm-hmm. need local friends. And so you simply can't move away and stay in touch with the five people you were close to in your previous city and still have the relational time and energy to be making new friends. Mm-hmm. So you can't stay in touch with everybody you've ever known. So the vast majority of them will go to that middle circle and um, being in touch with them once or twice or three times a year or for a weekend trip together is super meaningful. And those are people we still want to keep those relationships alive just with less consistency because there's so much intimacy there. A few people though, um, are people that I think we should choose to say, Hey, what does it take for us to remain on the far right side together? You're somebody that I don't want to put in the middle circle. I want to make sure we keep this relationship. So one of my closest girlfriends lives in Texas and um, and actually, it was helped because when I moved to San Francisco, I didn't really know anybody. I, we can often go through this huge gap where we just feel totally alone. And that's a great time to ask one of our friends who, who lives somewhere else, hey, can we talk on the phone once a week to just help mm-hmm. make sure we have that intimacy in our life, even when we don't know very many people. She and I talk every Wednesday at 12 o'clock, and we have for years. And mm-hmm. so she is one of, even though distance prevents us from um, 
seeing each other. We, she's actually still one of my very closest friends. And I mean that by both not just intimate that she would be there for me, but that actually consistent. She is there for me and we actually are sharing. And so, but that does take a level of intention that does not happen on, that does not happen without scheduling. And I have found for me that the more things that I can put as a routine in my life, the easier it is for me to just step into the benefit of that relationship without the stress of that relationship. Because the stress comes from the scheduling, the logistics, the back and forth, the trying to catch each other, the emailing of like, did she reach out to me last time? Oh, it's my turn. The guilt of like, oh my goodness, it's been a month since I called her. So for me, that's the stuff I want to avoid. <laughs> and I want to be enjoying the benefit of the friendship. So it's me saying, let's talk the first Friday of every month, or let's talk every other Wednesday at noon, or like, hey, you matter enough to me. And that's how I think it's, I don't think it needs to be awkward. I think it's saying to somebody, you matter enough to me. I don't want to lose touch with you. I want to stay close to you, but I think we're going to have to schedule it in to make that work and to keep it so that we're not having to like, just try to catch each other on the fly here and there. Right. And so I think it's a really beautiful question and offer an invitation to say to somebody that you love and you want to keep in their, in your life. Right. Right. Well, that's great. Okay, so now, you know, Emerging Women, this organization is really about bringing intimacy and relationship and other feminine qualities into positions of leadership and maybe changing, hopefully changing, definitely going to change. Let me reframe that. The way <laughs> leadership is being played out right now in, in all different sectors. And so I'm curious because, you know, I'm, I definitely feel that relationship and to some degree intimacy is going to help on the business side as well as on the friendship side. Do you see that a lot kind of where, you know, it used to be, oh, you can't be friends with someone that you're doing business with like, or don't ever go into business with someone that you're friends with. And, and yet those lines, especially as women are becoming more and more engaged at a leadership level are, in my experience, are becoming more and more blurred as we get more into a relationship-based leadership and business style. Is there muddy waters there that we need to be aware of? And I don't know, just generally, what do you think about that? Yeah, great question. I have an entire workshop I do on this for companies because I think it is, I think, A, we want to have friends at work. I'm a big fan of, I mean, that is still the number one place that we are spending all of our time. And that is the place that makes it the easiest place for us to be consistent with somebody and have friendships grow. And we're happier at work. If we have friends, we will stay longer. We will, we will not go to other jobs often. If we feel like we have good friends in one place, we're willing to, to be there for that. And so it's a really strong thing for a company to have those kinds of friendships. With that said, um, I do think it needs to be, there are certainly um, parameters and good guidelines for helping know how to develop a relationship with a little bit more thoughtfulness. I'm a big fan of, um, of being, I, I have what I call a friendsimacy triangle, which is like a, a triangle that helps show vulnerability and how levels of vulnerability is appropriate in all relationships. You should never be meeting somebody and just pouring your heart out to them. I call that like an emotional prostitute mm. or a one night stand or something like that. Like we are building relationships with commitment and vulnerability. And in the workplace, I really stress that because there is, it is important that we are building that carefully and slowly and intentionally. And, um, and yeah, you're right. I, I'm a, I, I do think the blinds have to come together. I think our life, I think our world will benefit from us knowing what healthy friendship looks like and knowing how to work together. 
that might involve a few more conversations and it might, you know, definitely invites us to some more awkward moments, but I am a big fan of awkward moments. I do. I am always saying to people, I'm always saying, don't avoid awkward. Like just because it's awkward doesn't mean it's bad. Like awkward means there's opportunity for something there. Like it's always awkward before you meet somebody. When you go walk into a cafe for a connecting circle with girlfriend circles and you don't know the other women, of course it's awkward. Like why would it not be? You've never met them. But that doesn't mean you have to lean away from it. You know, and of course it's awkward to do business with a friend because there's going to be times where you get mad at each other and there's going to be times where you would do it differently and expect the other person to do something the way you do it. Of course it's going to be awkward, but awkward is good as long as you're willing to say, okay, it's awkward. And what question, what conversation do I need to have now to help bring more clarity and more intimacy and more safety to this relationship? So there will be awkwardness. And I think that's where as women, especially we are, I am, we are, we have so much room for growth in speaking for what we need and articulating what we need. I work with a lot of women who I don't even think stop and say, what is it I need from this? Like, what is, mm. what is being threatened? Like, what is, what do I actually need? And, um, and so I mean, I could go on and on with that, but we have to figure out what we need. We need to learn to ask for it with kindness and with clarity and with confidence. Mm-hmm. So, and this is where friendship is important because it's our friendships. We can practice these things. This is like, it's my friends where I can practice asking for what I need so that, when I'm in a work environment with new friends or in a, I can, I'm much better. I'm practiced at asking for what I need with people who I've already, who've already loved me well. So it helps me be able to do it better. And that's when I say friendships can save the world. It's because I get to practice shining around people who are clapping for me and cheering for me to shine. So it makes it easier for me to stand up in an environment where I need to shine and give my best contribution and do my thing and stand in my power, even if I'm not getting cheered for in that moment. So I think that, that's where we have to practice these awkward conversations. So mm-hmm. sorry, that's kind of a long rambling answer, but no, yes, we need to be friends at work and yeah. yes, we need to have more conversations <laughs> around that. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I just, it's so important right now because especially as we're going to be emphasizing more and more vulnerability and friendships and connections and intimacy, even within the workplace. I mean, I think this is all being created right now. So the work you're doing is very important to identify where the boundaries are and what's permissible and what's encouraged and what's, you know, the, Hey, that's too far. I think people, especially, you know, men, as they're learning this, there's going to have to be some kind of Work, I don't know if it's workshops or some kind of education around what's actually appropriate and yes, what's beneficial. Yes. There's great conversations and guidelines and uh, right. visuals and stuff like that. But yeah, it's just, it's an interesting thing because I think friends outside of work, we're getting much, much, much more comfortable bringing business into our friendship. Right. Uh, but with the workplaces still aren't, like I don't, it's not like I'm getting, I don't feel a lot of open doors to companies saying, oh yes, friendship, we really need to talk about that in this place. You know, so it's, it's like the, it's happening. So obviously friendships are happening there, but it's not something that's being really discussed or done with a way of like, let's make sure we we get the benefits of friendship in as many ways as we can with as little of the awkwardness and the, the boundaries as possible, you know, the overstepped boundaries and stuff. So I think you're right. I think it's, we're, we're right for saying we can't parcel out our life and compartmentalize. We're all, we're all showing up wanting to make our contribution and we're going to do it with people we know. So those two things are going to be all over each other. Yeah. I wanted to end with, and I know you must have like a, you know, a gazillion best friends, but um, I'm curious, don't. <laughs> you don't, okay, so I'm curious to see if, you know, how many best friends do you have, and 
pick one and just tell us something about her. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I said I don't because a best friend requires consistency and intimacy. And right. I don't think I, you, you have to limit who you do that with. And I would be lonely if I tried to get equal to everybody. So for me, I'm very clear that I have three or four women that get priority in my life. Right. And one of them is Deneen. And one of the things I love about her is our lives are very different. She's a mother. I'm not. Um, we just are both doing very different contributions in this world. And we do it very differently. And we've had some awkward moments. There's times where she's wanted more from me. Uh, like I could sense that I wasn't like offering a baby, her baby to her child as much as she wanted. And so, I mean, there's moments of awkward again. And one of the things that I love is we had, we've had so many beautiful conversations. I'm talking now, this probably several years ago, but it's helped bond us as me able to say, Hey, I feel a little bit of something like I'm disappointing you in our relationship. Can we talk about it? And what are your expectations? And, and like, can I talk about what I do and what I can't do? And we had so many amazing conversations that started with awkwardness, and I, in those moments, I realized how easy it would be to have relationships stripped away because I could just sit there and be kind of like, oh, my goodness, she's expecting too much. Her life is so different. Like, I can't be this, and mm-hmm. she's not living up to what I want anymore. And, you know, and it'd be so easy to kind of both pull away and move on and drift apart. But those conversations, I'm telling you, like, now we are reaping the benefits of just trusting each other completely and just having complete honesty and where we can just sit there and say, give me honest feedback. And I just know she adores me and loves me and I love her and adore her. And just, yeah, there's, it feels so good to have somebody who's local, who is intimate, who's a champion of of mine and I'm a champion for hers. And we're both like doing our thing in this world and we both get criticism. We both get celebrated and we both like uh, get to be there and know that we've got somebody who knows us on the back end that they know we're not as amazing as our image and our PR bio sound <laughs> right. that we're not as horrible as the critics out there who call us whatever, you know? So it's uh, beautiful to have that kind of, those kind of people in our lives. Fabulous. That's wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing Shasta. That's You're been welcome. a pleasure. Your questions are so beautiful. I've done so many of these and I mean it when I say you have very insightful questions. I loved them. It was very fun. Oh, you're sweet. Well, you know, to me, I started Emerging Women based on my women's circle. So this, like I said, when we first started within five minutes, I was like, oh, kindred spirit. (laughs) So I feel like this topic is super important. And it's also a topic that people, I don't know if it's because of the shame, but they just sort of make it seem Mm -hmm. unimportant or it doesn't rank as high as financial and marriage and, you know, all the other sectors of our life that we do tend to, you know, plant seeds and grow and tend and so thank you I agree 100% you are welcome thanks for helping give a platform for it I agree it's not something that we yeah I mean my publisher told me people women will go buy books on romantic relationships like they'll buy anyone that promises that they'll help find romance and they'll buy every book on parenting when they're pregnant but they will not walk into bookstores and buy books on friendship why is that like we just don't I think you're very right it's not an area of life that we treat with the respect that research is actually showing how significant it is right there's a high value here yes so (laughs) thank you for inviting me today it means a lot (laughs) okay well thank you shasta and more to come i'm looking forward to you being at the um at the seattle power party that's going to be a blast can't wait to meet you and to continue our friendship (laughs) perfect 